0: السلام عليكم wa rahmatullahi الله barakatuhu How are you all doing? نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري واسأل لي أمري وحل من لساني قولي ربنا زدنا علما. So inshallah before we begin our lesson for today. Are you ready for your test? Would you like to have it or soon or not? Yeah? Okay, how soon? Sometime next week? Okay, so which day suits you? Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Thursday, Monday? Wednesday? Then how will you study on Tuesday? What if you get homework on Tuesday from a different subject which you have to submit on Wednesday? Then what will you do? You'll study on the weekend? Okay. Because this is what I thought, that if you get to study on the weekend, hmm, then uh, the test on Monday or Tuesday might be better. The earlier, the better. Does it suit everybody? Yeah? And we agreed to have a test, right? You accept it with your heart? That inshallah you have a test instead of an assignment? Okay, good. Inshallah. So whichever day... uh, fits into, uh, is best for the test, inshallah, Your course in charge will let you know. Hopefully today. If not, then over the email. Definitely, she will let you know either Monday or Tuesday, whichever day is best. One more thing, there will be an assignment as well. Okay, which is that it's simple that you have to write the description of the prayer in your own words, from Takbiratul Ihram to Taslim. So all that we have learned so far, okay, from Takbiratul Ihram to Taslim. So the entire description Just write in your own words Okay And you have to submit that And if you do this While you're preparing for your test It will be ideal Okay Because as you're writing everything You have to make sure That you have every detail Okay So it will be done at the same time Your revision As well as your assignment Both at the same time And I'm giving you this homework you, This assignment Just so that you can re- You can review Easily Okay, so inshallah this you have to submit on Tuesday. The description of the prayer from takbiratul ihram to taslim in your own words. Okay, now when it comes to the adhkar and the du'as, you don't have to write every single du'a and every single dhikr. You can just write something like, and one, one can recite one or more of the du'as that have been narrated concerning this. Okay, inshallah. Here, and you can make it as long or as short as you want. But remember that the shorter it is, the easier it will be. Okay. But in making it short, don't leave out the necessary details. Okay. Inshallah. Okay. So we left off at a dhikr ba'da What dhikr should a person make after the salah? And we learned about several adkall that a person can read after. the the tasli, meaning when he ends the prayer. And the one thing that we learned was that this dhikr should be loud. Alright? Meaning when a person says Assalamu Alaikum wa, wa rahmatullah and he begins his dhikr, how should that be made? Loudly. So when he says a takbir, for example, Allahu Akbar, astaghfirullah, 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 it should be heard by others. Okay? Now, there are certain other abkar also that one may read after salah. And you were provided the sheet. So if you could take that out, and we'll just go over them quickly. So, after Salah, Allahu Akbar, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. How many times? Three times. Then, Allahumma oh anta salam wa minka as-salam, tabarakta ya dal jalali wal ikram. O Allah, you are peace, and from you comes all peace. Blessed are you, O owner of majesty and honor. Then, رَبِّ أَعِنِّي عَلَىٰ ذِكْرِكَ وَشُكْرِكَ وَحُسْنِ عِبَادَتِكَ O oh my Lord, help me to remember you, be grateful to you, and worship you in the best manner. And then, تَسْبِحَاتِ سُبْحَانَ اللَّهُ 33 times, الحمد لله, 33 times, and الله أكبر either 33 times or 34 times. Then, another dua which one may make after salah is, رَبِّ قِنِي عَذَابَكَ يَوْمَ تَبْعَثُ O oh my Lord, save me from your punishment on the day when you will resurrect your slaves. Another hadith tells us that the Prophet ﷺ used to make this dua Allahumma inni a'udu bika in adab al kabri, Allahumma inni a'udu bika in adab al nari, Allahumma inni a'udu bika in al fitani ma dhahara minha wa ma batan. Allahumma oh inni a'udu bi fitnatil a'walil kaddab. O Allah, I seek refuge with you from the torment of the grave. O oh Allah, I seek refuge with you from the torment of hell. O oh Allah, I seek refuge with you from trials both visible and invisible. O oh Allah, I seek refuge with you from the trial of the one-eyed liar. And who is that? The Now there is a very similar du'a that a person can make right before the taslim. Correct? Now, it may happen with you that one day you forget to make that dua. And right when you say the salam, you you realize that you forgot to make that dua. So you can always make that dua after salah also. Another du'a is: O Allah, forgive me what I have sent and what I have delayed, and what I have kept secret and what I have made public, and O Allah, forgive me what I have sent before me and what I have left behind me, what I have concealed and what I have done openly, what I have done in excess, and what you are better aware of than I. You are the one who sends forth and you are the one who delays there is no true deity except you Another dua Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-jubn wa a'udhu bika an urda ila ard al-umr wa a'udhu bika min fitnat ad-dunya wa a'udhu bika min adhab al-qabr Oh Allah I seek refuge with you from cowardice and I seek refuge with you from reverting to the basest stage of life meaning extreme old age and i seek refuge with you from the temptation of this world and i seek refuge with you from the punishment of the grave then another dhikr that a person may make after salah is la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah lahul mulku wa lahul hamdu wa huwa ala kulli shay'in qadeer allahumma la mani'a lima a'tayta wa la mu'tiya lima mana'ta wa la yanfa'u dhal jadd minkal jadd There is no true deity except Allah alone having no partners. He alone deserves all sovereignty and praise and He is over all things fully competent. O Allah, no one can prevent what You have willed to bestow and no one can bestow what You have willed to prevent. And the might of the Mighty One cannot help Him against You. Another dhikr that is very similar, لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله لا إله إلا الله ولا نعبد إلا إياه له النعمة وله الفضل وله الثناء الحسن لا إله إلا الله مخلصين له الدين ولو كره الكافرون There is no true deity except Allah alone, having no partners. He alone deserves all sovereignty and praise, and He is over all things fully competent. There is no might or power except with Allah. There is no true deity except Allah, and we worship none but Him. His are all blessings. For him is superiority, and for him is due most excellent praise. There is no true deity except Allah. We are sincere in our faith to Him, even though the disbelievers may dislike it. Also, after Salah, one should read Ayatul Kursi, as well as the Muawwidhat, meaning Suratul Ikhlas, Suratul Falak, and Suratul Nas. Now, when it comes to these Surahs, remember that after Fajr and after Maghrib, because that is also a time of morning and evening adhkar. So it's best to read them. Three times each, when after Fajr and after Maghrib, but after the other prayers, which is Salatul Zuhur, Asr, and Isha, reading them once is also sufficient. When a person performs Salatul Witr, then after Salam, what should he say? Subhanal Malikil Qudus. How many times? Three times. Glory be to the King, the Most Pure. After Sunnah of Salatul Fajr. What should a person say? The du'a of? Noor. اللهم جعل في قلبي نورا وفي بصري نورا وفي سمعي نورا وعن يميني نورا وعن يساري نورا Nura, نورا Amami نورا وأمامي نورا وخلفي نورا واجعلي نورا O Allah, place light in my heart, light in my sight, light in my hearing, light on my right, light on my left, light above me, light below me, light in front of me, light behind me, and make for me light. After al Fajr, what should a person say? Allahumma oh inni as'aluka ilman nafi'an, what is qantayyiban wa amalan, mutaqabbala. O Allah, I ask you for knowledge which is beneficial and sustenance which is pure and deeds which are acceptable. And we also learned about the other dhikr, which is La ilaha illallah wa'athahu la شريك lahul له lahul hamd wa وهو على kulli shayin qadir. How many times? Ten times. And after al Maghrib, with a slight difference, yuhi wa yumit in the middle, and this also. 10 times Alhamdulillah Most of these adhkār Are actually Already in the masjid At al Huda On the walls So after salah Make use of this And spend some time Reading those adhkār At least after Zuhur While you're here Right Inshallah Alhamdulillah Many of the books That are available At the bookstore Have these adhkār Most of them Some of them Might not be there Which Inshallah Should be in a future publication Very soon Inshallah Alhamdulillah What you got Is a trial Right So, inshallah, based on this, inshallah, publication should come forth soon. Okay. If you look at all of the iskaab that we have looked at, for salah as well as after salah, what are the most common things that you see that we are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. From dua, istiftah, to rukur, to sujood, to tashahud, to after salah, so many adhqar have istighfar in them. What does that show? That salah is really for what purpose? Forgiveness. And remember the hadith that every time, the time of a prayer enters, a caller calls, that O people come and extinguish the fire of sins that you have lit for yourselves. Pray salah and put off that fire. So how? By seeking forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let's move to the next Bab. Bab يَسْتَقْبِلُ Imam النَّاسَ Nasa Idasellama. Yastaqbilu. What does Yastaqbilu mean? He should face. Who should face Al Imam. the Imam? And Nasa the people, Idaslama, when he says the salam. Meaning when the Imam finishes the prayer that the salam has been made, then what should he do? He should turn around and face the congregation. He should face the people who prayed behind him. Now, he can turn from his right side or his left side, either way is correct, but the point is that he should be facing the people. This does not mean that all the people should start facing the people who are behind them. No. The congregation should s- still sit, you know, facing the Qibla because obviously they're doing their adqa, or they can get up and leave, whatever is easy for them. However, the Imam, what is he required to do? Turn around and face the congregation. This was the way of the Prophet حدّثنا موسى بن اسمعيل, قال حدّثنا جرير بن حازم قال حدّثنا أبو رجاء عن سمرة بن جندب. قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا صلى صلاة, He said that the Prophet وسلم, whenever he used to perform a prayer, أقبل He would turn his face towards us. He would turn towards us with his face, meaning his face would be in our direction and this was his usual habit he would look at us he would look at us he would face us haddathana abdullah ibn maslamah an malik an salih ibn kaysan an ubaydullah ibn abdullah ibn utbah ibn mas'ud an zaid ibn khalid al-juhaniyyi annahu qala he said that prayed for us sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the dawn prayer at at hudaybiyah what happened the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam performed the subh prayer with us which prayer is that? Fajr prayer. عَلَىٰ اِثْرِ Samain عَلَىٰ on What does اِثْر mean? Trace, meaning after. Okay. Samain. A sky كانت مِنَ اللَّيْلَ That was in the night. I mean the sky is there all the time. Why is it said that that was there in the night? What is it special that comes from the sky? Rain. Okay? So basically what he meant to say was that after a rainy night... And those are the traces of the sky. Right? What? Rain. So those traces which had been left during the night, meaning after a rainy night. So in the morning, at Fajr time, when the Prophet ﷺ performed the prayer, فَلَمَّنْ صَرَفَ Then when he ended the prayer, أَقْبَلَ عَلَى الناس. He turned towards the people. He faced the people after the salah and he said, هل ماذا قال rabbukum. Do you know what is it that your Lord has said? قالوا the people said, Allahu Allah and his messenger know best. he said, Asbaha min ibadi mu'minun bi That this morning some of my servants have entered as mu'min, as believers in me. And others, kafir As disbelievers. Meaning this morning some people, they continued as believers. And others, they became disbelievers. فَأَمَّا قال, Then as for the one who said, مُطِرْنَا We were given this rain, بِفَضْلِ الله, By the fadl of Allah, His grace, وَرَحْمَتِهِ And His mercy, فَذَلِكَ مُؤْمِنْ So that is a believer, be in me. وَكَافِرٌ And a disbeliever, بِالْكَوْكَبْ In the stars. And as for من قال who said, "Binaw ikada wa because of such and such star, meaning we were given rain because of such and such star, فَذَلِكَ kafirun bi. So that is a disbeliever in me, meaning in Allah subhanahu wa taala wa mu'minun bil and a believer in the stars. Now in this hadith, what do we see? That during travel, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi was where at Hudaybiyah. This was not at home, but during travel. When he led the people in prayer, what happened after the prayer? He turned towards the people. So this is something that the imam should do always. Whoever the imam is, whenever he is leading the people in prayer, whether at home or in safar during a journey, whether the congregation is huge or very small, what should the imam do? He should turn and face the people. Why should he face the people? What's the hikmah behind that? What's the wisdom behind that? One is that it is a physical announcement that the salah is over. It has ended. So that anyone who walks in realizes that the salah is over because the imam is not facing the Qibla anymore. Right? And another hikmah is that when the imam will face the people, then he will have an opportunity to speak to them. And we see over here that the Prophet wasallam taught them something. He asked them a question. And from that, you know, he, he got an opportunity to teach the people something. Because if a person is not facing others, then how is he meant to have any conversation with them? Right? So facing one another is an excuse for having a conversation. Right? And when that conversation will happen, then you know a person can teach others something. So the Prophet took advantage of this moment. Everybody is sitting. So teach something at this time. Another wisdom behind this is that What is the reason that the imam is in front of the people? What's the reason behind that? Because the prayer is happening. The prayer is going on. So once the prayer has ended, then there is no reason for him to be in front of them anymore. So this is why he faces them. Because now he is amongst them. He is one of them. And it also helps the imam be humble. Right? It also helps the imam be humble. Otherwise, if he's always separate from the congregation, he does not even look at them, he does not even face them. Then it, this might lead to pride. right? So this is why the imam must face the congregation after the salah. And this was the way of the Prophet Now in this hadith in particular, what happened? He asked the people, "That Do you know what your Lord has said? And what did the people say? Allah and His Messenger know best What's the lesson in this for us? Hmm? That if there's anything that we are asked about Concerning the religion And we don't know the answer Then what should our response be? Allah and His Messenger know best Sometimes we, we begin to guess right? But unless you are very confident Don't say anything Rather say Allah and His Messenger know best Also we learn from this that our words, they matter a lot. Notice how the words of a person, if he says, we were given rain because of a star. We were given rain because of Allah. Look at the difference. One statement is a statement of kufr and the other statement is a statement of iman. So we have to be very careful about what we say when we have received a blessing and what we say when we have received a trial. What are our words? Because at the time of ignorance, this is what the people used to believe. That, uh, you know, such and such star, it appeared in the sky, and this star is very generous, so we will have rain. We will have blessings. And this star has appeared in the sky, it is visible in the sky, and this star is very dry. It's not that generous. So we're not really going to get much, you know, rain or anything like that. But the fact is that every blessing... A lot or a little comes from who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Definitely, in in many matters, when we are given any blessings, they are through certain means. Right? Like for example, we go to a doctor and we find treatment over there. We take a medication and we we are healed. Yes, the treatment, the cure came through the medication, through the doctor, but who sent it our way? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you can say something like, Alhamdulillah, Allah guided us to the right doctor, to the right medication. Alhamdulillah, Allah made the doctor understand my situation. So, acknowledge the cause, but don't forget the giver. What happens is that we don't acknowledge the cause sometimes, the means sometimes at all. We disregard the people, the things, the opportunities. No, acknowledge them also. But realize that the real giver of blessings is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And things which are not a cause, so for example, the star, how can it be the cause of rain? Don't make them a cause. Don't make them a means without knowledge. Haddathana Abdullah, <laughs> سَمِعَ يَزِيدُ قَالَ أَخْبَرُنَا حُمَيْدٍ عَنْ أَنَسٍ قَالَ أَخَرَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلى الله عليه وسلمَ الصَّلَاةَ ذاتَ لَيْلَةٍ He said that one night, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, he delayed the prayer. ذاتَ laylah, One night. He delayed the prayer. Which prayer is this? Risha. So he delayed it. Delayed it meaning from its usual time إلى al-layl Until half of the night. Meaning half of the night had passed and then the Prophet ﷺ ثُمَّ kharaja عَلَيْنَا Then he came out to us and he led us in prayer. فَلَمَّا salla. Then when he prayed, meaning when the prayer was over, أَقْبَلَ عَلَيْنَا بِوَجْهِ Again look at the words. أَقْبَلَ عَلَيْنَا بِوَجْهِ he turned towards us with his face. فَقَالَ And he said, إِنَّ النَّاسَ قَدْ وَرَقَدُوا Indeed the people, they have prayed and they have gone to sleep. وَإِنَّكُمْ And as for you, لَن تَزَالُوا فِي الصلاة. That you were constantly in prayer as long as you were waiting for it. So the entire time that you were waiting for the prayer, you were as though in the prayer, you were getting the reward. And as for those who were not patient enough, they just left and prayed themselves and went to sleep, they lost on that reward themselves. So there's a number of things that we understand over here. First of all, the fact that in the nighttime, even, when it was dark, and remember that people did not have uh, much oil even, with which they could light lamps. Aisha said that if we had it, we would have eaten it. So you can imagine that the masjid was pretty dark. The only light that was there was perhaps from the moon. Allahu a'lam how much light there was. Or from the stars. or And even that light was very, very little. But still the Prophet wasallam he turned towards the people and he faced them. So this was his habit. At home, during a journey, in the night, in the day, Every time he turned towards the people and he faced them after the salah. As if he was welcoming them. You see, is there a difference when you when you have your back towards someone and when you're facing them? There's a huge difference. If somebody's back is towards us, we find it difficult to approach them. But if somebody turns towards us, right, and they're looking at us, it's an opportunity to smile, to greet, to ask, right, to converse. And we see that many times the Prophet ﷺ would speak to his companions after the salah. And he would teach them many different things. Like this incident that we learned about earlier. Right? Many times he would teach them beautiful things after salah. And at this time, what did he teach them? That the people have prayed and they've gone to sleep. But you were waiting and you were getting your reward that whole time. So he motivated them. He encouraged them. And this is one of the great qualities of leaders that they're motivators. And the Prophet ﷺ was definitely someone who motivated the companions to do that were extremely difficult. Another thing we see over here is that Isha' prayer, the Prophet ﷺ delayed it until when? Half of the night. Okay? I do not like to use the word midnight because when we think of midnight, we think 12 o'clock. But that is not actually midnight. Okay? layl half of the night is when? Between which two times? Sunset and sunrise. So between these two times, half, half point, halfway point is what? layl and that is the time when, uh, the time for Isha prayer ends. If a person prays ishath salah after half of the night, that is qada. You understand? The time for isha prayer is from when? The time when Maghrib ends until half of the night. Bab Mukthil imami fi musallahu ba'da salam. Mukthi, mukth. What does it mean? To remain, to stay somewhere. So the staying of al imam, the imam, where fi musallahu in his musallah. What is musallah? Place of prayer. Meaning the spot where he has prayed, he remains over there ba'da salam after the Salaam. Meaning after the imam ends the prayer and he turns around in order to face the people, he may continue to sit there for some time. It is not necessary that he he must get up. No, he can stay there. And it seems like it is better to do that because this is what the Prophet وسلم did. First of all, so that he could do his adqab because it is natural that when you will get up from your prayer place and you will move, what will happen? You will get busy in other things. And your adkal will, will be forgotten. Right? They will be left out. So what is best that a person, including the imam, when he finishes the prayer, he should remain sitting in his place for the purpose of dhikr. Also, the imam especially should remain over there. Why? For the purpose of ta'lim, In order to teach the people. And also, so that he can make himself available to the congregation. Because if he gets up and leaves immediately, then when will the people catch him? Right? To ask him questions. And it can also be for the purpose of reminding other people to do their adhkar. Because everybody's eyes are fixed on the imam usually. So if the imam is sitting, then what will happen? The rest of the people will also remain sitting. And what are they doing sitting? Adhkar. Right? So to remind the congregation. And another reason could be to perform more salah. He can also remain there in order to perform more salah And obviously for that he will have to face the Qibla So basically the point that Imam Bukhari is making over here Is that the Imam should turn and face the people Because the salah is over But that does not mean that he has to get up and move from his location It does not mean that he has to move back in the first or the second row or the third row No, he can remain in his spot He just has to turn and face the congregation وَقَالَ لَنَا آدَمُ حَدَّثَنَا شُعْبَةُ عَنْ أَيُوبِ عَنْ نَافِعٍ قَالَ He said, كان ابن عُمَرَ He said that ابن عُمَر used to Yusalli He would pray في مَكَانِهِ In his place أَلَّذِي يُصَلَّى فِيهِ In which he had prayed What had he prayed over there? الفَرِضَة The fard prayer So ابن عُمَر رَضُ عنه What would he do? He would offer his nafil prayers His voluntary prayers At the same spot as the one that he had prayed his fard prayer in. So basically Mambukhari Bukhari is proving here that the Imam can perform his nafil, his sunnah prayers where? At his same spot. And if he can do that, the Muqtadi can do that also. Alright? And he is proving this with the action of Ibn Umar r.a. Who is Ibn Umar? A companion. And someone who noticed the Habits the actions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam a lot. What did qasim Imam Bukhari said that Al-Qasim also did that was Al-Qasim ibn Muhammad ibn Abi Bakr. So he's the grandson of Abu Bakr radliyallahu anhu. And he said that about this matter, there is something that has been mentioned on the authority of Abu Hurairah radliyallahu anhu. Rafaahu, rafaahu, he raised it, meaning he he. Uh, ascribe that statement to who? The Prophet Wasallam. Meaning he said concerning that statement that the Prophet said. Now, and what are those words? He does mention them here. And what is that? لا يتطوع الإمام في مكانه That the imam should not perform تطوع prayer, meaning voluntary prayer في مكانه in his place. But Imam Bukhari said that these words يَصِحْ They're not correct. Meaning they're not authentic. Okay? So, when it comes to the matter of Performing your Nafil prayers, your Sunnah prayers at the same place as you have performed your fard prayer. Is it necessary? Is it not? There is a difference of opinion concerning this. Why? Because of the ahadiths that have been narrated concerning this matter. Now there is a hadith in Sahih Muslim in which we learn that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Mu'awi Anhu said that the Prophet ﷺ ordered us do not join one prayer with another prayer without leaving or speaking in between. Meaning, he said that two prayers should not be performed one after the other, except that there should be some gap, some break in the middle. How do you make that break? Either move to a different location or, you know, speak. You understand? Speak to someone. Have some conversation. Turn around. You know, say something so that it is clear that you completed one prayer and now you are beginning another prayer. You understand? So because of this hadith, some scholars, they said that the imam and the ma'mum and the munfarid, okay, whether a person led the prayer or he prayed behind the imam or he was praying by himself, when he ends a prayer and he wants to begin Another prayer, meaning nafil, voluntary, sunnah, whatever it is, then what should he do? He should take a step forward, back, to the right, or to the left, move to a different spot. Okay? Now, what happens with us in the masjid is that sometimes we are, you know, standing in a row between people, right, and we're waiting for others to finish their salah so that we can switch spots with them. Some people get to switch their spots and others don't. And in that case, Many people, they keep waiting, keep waiting, keep waiting. So, remember that it is better to change your spot, but it is not mandatory. Because Ibn Umar, what was his action? That he would pray nafil in the same spot. And this narration of Muawiyah, although it is in Muslim, it is disputed. Meaning its authenticity is disputed. Some considered it to be authentic, and others did not consider it to be authentic. So, remember that it is better to move to a different spot. But don't make it an obligation on yourself to the point that you're making things difficult for yourself or for others. Why is it better? What's the benefit if you move to a different spot? That you're making more of the earth a witness for yourself. Right? That on the Day of Judgment, the earth, أخبارها, The earth will speak its news, meaning, the earth will will tell what happened on it, on its surface. So you want that there is different spots of the earth saying that, Ya Allah, this person performed these many rakars on me over here at this time, you know, this prayer. So you want more of the earth to be a witness for you. Okay. Is there any other benefit? In moving spots? Moving from one location to the other? Aliyah? It's quite possible that you move to a different location and you have better khushur. Because, uh, the carpet doesn't smell, or you're right under the fan, or there aren't too many people over there, or, you know, people around that area are more focused in prayer, right? So, you might have better khushur. And also, it's helpful. You know, when you move from one spot to the other, you get a fresh start. And when you get that fresh start, it's helpful, you know, for khushur in salah. Okay, any other benefit? So when you will move from, let's say from a, your row, which is further back in the masjid, to a row that is in the front of the masjid, then you're making things convenient for the people who are trying to leave. Any other benefit? Okay, good. That you get to pray by different people also. Okay, very good. Any other benefit? You see, the imam for example, he finishes the prayer, all right, and he gets up in the same spot and he begins his nafid. Now someone walks into the masjid and they think that, oh, the imam is praying. The salah is still going on. And they join, and they're like, what's going on? The imam is not saying it out loud. There could be confusion. all right. So if a person moves, especially the imam, then it will be easier for the people to realize that the jamaah, the salah is over. Because it's possible that everybody stands up at the same time to perform their namaz prayer. Now the imam is performing his sunnah, and the five people behind him are performing their sunnah, and they're standing close together, and it might appear as a jamara is going on, right? So when everybody will move their, you know, spots, they will disperse through the masjid. Then it's easier for the one who's coming in to realize that the jamara is over. It clarifies things for the people. But remember one thing. That when you're moving, you know, from one spot to the other, it doesn't mean that you have to go five steps away. Or you have to be, you know, your feet have to be on the line. You could be standing on the same spot, you know, in the row, in the soft, the marked row. Just take one step forward, one step behind. We think a row is that which is colored, right? But you think the Masjid of the Prophet was such? That the rows were made, marked on the floor? No, it wasn't like that. So remember that your spot is that on which you're standing, on which you're doing sajda. It could be five centimeters away from the one that you were praying on previously. So if you cannot move from your location, okay, because the people are praying all around you, you can just take a step forward. As long as you don't bump into the person who's praying in front of you. Okay, Inshallah, you can do that. حدثنا أبو الوليد، حدثنا إبراهيم بن سعد، حدثنا الزُّهْرِيُّ عن هند بنت الحارث عن أم سلمة أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان إذا سلم أم سلمة said that the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم when he would say the Taslim يمكث في مكانه Yasiran, he would remain in his place yasiran for a little while meaning he would not get up immediately he would stay there قال ابن ابن شهاب said so we think, Wallahu A'lam, and Allah knows best, Likay so that, meaning the reason why he stayed over there for some time was so that Yanfuda, he could leave, sarifu, whoever wishes to get up and go, Minan Nisa, from the women. Meaning he remained sitting, and behind him the men would also remain sitting. Why? So that the women could leave comfortably. They could leave easily. Not that they are still praying and the men are trying to go from between their rows. No, it would be very difficult for the women. So the Prophet ﷺ remained sitting so the women could comfortably leave. And when they had left the masjid, then the Prophet ﷺ would get up and the men would also get up behind him. Do you notice something over here? In the narrators? Hmm? Who's the narrator of this hadith? Which sahabiyah? Umm Salima. Who took the hadith from her? Hind bint Harith, and who took the hadith from her? az zuhri, Ibn Shahab a zuhri. Ibn Shahab a zuhri is taking a hadith from a woman, a woman scholar, right? And she was a tabi'iyah. because she took hadith from who? Um Salima. So we see that the men would also take hadith from women, and those women were also women besides. The wives of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. وَقَالَ بْنُ أَبِي مَرْيَمْ أَخْبَرَنَا نَافِعُ بْنُ يَزِيدُ قَالَ أَخْبَرَنِي جَعْفَرُ بْنُ رُبِيْعَةَ أَنَّ بْنَ شِحَابٍ كَتَبَ إِلَيْهِ جَعْفَر ابي مريم اخبرنا نافع يزيد قال اخبرني جعفر ربيعة ان said that Ibn Shihab wrote to him. He wrote to him. He sent him a letter. Okay. قَالَ he said, حَدَّثَتْنِي in that letter was what? That حَدَّثَتْنِي هِنْد that Hind bint Harith who was Firaziya, that she haddathatni, she narrated to me, she narrated hadith to me, and she took that hadith from who? An ummi salamata. Who's ummi salamata? Zawji nabi sallallahu alayhi Wasallam. sallam. and she was who? Hind. She was min sawahibatiha. Sawahibat. Female companions. So she was from her female companions, meaning she was one of those women who spent some time with Um Salama. She learned from her. Okay, قالت, she said, كان Yusallimu, Umm Salama told her, that the Prophet he would Yusallimu, he would say the salam, النساء, and the women would, يَنصَرِفُ. they would get up and leave, they would also end their prayer. would end their prayer and they would get up and leave immediately after the salam, as we read earlier in the hadith also. And then when they would get up, what would they do? They would leave the masjid and even enter their homes. qabli before Ayyam he would leave Rasulullah. Before the Prophet would even leave the masjid. So what would the women do? They would get up and go to their homes immediately. And they would even have entered their homes and the Prophet would then leave from the masjid. Now This hadith, what does it show to us? That the Prophet how long would he stay for? In his spot? At least a few minutes. If not more than that. Because the women, they're leaving the masjid and reaching their homes. This is true. It's unfortunate that today it's the exact opposite. That women have to wait for the men to go. Because the men don't have any, sometimes unfortunately, they don't have any regard for the privacy of the women or just any... Courtesy for the women that they need some space to go. Sometimes the hallways, the passages, the doorways are completely blocked. On the other hand, also the women also take their time and they keep talking, and the men, the husbands, they're just waiting. So it's necessary that after Salah, the person should go, you know, to their work. You know, once the Salah is over, get busy in what you have to do instead of just socializing over there. Unless there is a genuine reason for remaining. It should not be a time to socialize all the time. Because what happens is that when one salah will take so much time, then how often can we go to the masjid? And we see that the women at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, they would even go for fajr, they would go for isha. In another hadith we learn that once the Prophet ﷺ delayed isha so much that he was told the women and the children have gone to sleep. Meaning waiting in the masjid, they have gone to sleep. Hmm? So the women would even go for isha late at night. So this is only possible When you're going just for salah And then you go back to your work Because otherwise How can we make time for salah? Yeah, that we see There was no wall Separating the women's side From the men's side And that is not possible all the time Mm -hmm. Nor is it ideal in every situation It can create difficulties also At certain times However, whatever the situation is Men should respect the privacy of women And the women should also take note of the fact that Men need to go about also So you know, go where you have to go quickly uh, so that there's no awkward situation that anyone is forced to be in. عن عن in another chain of narration, Ibn Shihab used the word Akhbaratni. Earlier he said ibn Umara Yunus أن هند بنت الحارث القرشية أخبرته وكان تحت معبد ابن المقتد وهو حليف بني زهرة وكانت تدخل على أزواج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وقال شعيب عن الزهري حدثتني هند القرشية وقال ابن أبي عتيق عن الزهري عن هند الفراسية وقال ليث حدثني يحيى بن سعيد حدثه عن ابن شهاب عن امرأة من قرطش حدثته عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم so basically there's some variations in the اسناد in these different variations, there is also a slight discussion on the identity of this lady, Hind, because in some versions she's called Al-Firasiyya, in other versions she's called al Qurashiya. So there was a dispute concerning who exactly she was, but one thing that was known about her was that she was one of the companions of Umm Salah. Bab, Man bin Nasi, Fadakara Hajatan, Fata Khattahum. Man bin Nasi, someone who prayed with the people, meaning he led the people in prayer. So this is the imam. حاجة, and he remembered a hajah, a need of his. فتخطاهم. So he stepped over them. Meaning he went through their rows. And obviously when you're passing uh, like that through the rows, then you sometimes have to step over the shoulders of people also. Right? Making way through the people. People have to kind of move on the side in order to create space for you. So the question over here is that Earlier we learned that the imam, when he ends the prayer, he should stay sitting in his place facing the people. But what if he remembers some haja, some need of his, and he has to go and fulfill it immediately? Can he leave? Or is it a must for him to stay? He can leave. And likewise, the people praying behind him, can they also get up and leave? If there is a need, yes, they can. It is ideal that after salah, a person remains sitting, does some dhikr, but if there is a need, they can leave. حدثنا محمد بن عبيد قال حدثنا عيسى بن يونس عن عمر بن سعيد قال أخبرني ابن أبي عن عقبة قال صليت وراء النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بالمدينة he said that I pray behind the Prophet وسلم, in Medina the Asr prayer then he said the salam and then he stood up quickly hurriedly he Prayed the salah. As soon as he finished, he got up hurriedly as if he was in a rush. فَتَخَبْطَى And he stepped over رِقَابَ النَّاسِ The necks of people. Meaning, he didn't wait for people to get up and go. He made his way through the crowd. Okay? إلى بعضي To some of Hujarini The حجر, The apartments of his wives. Meaning to one of the apartments of his wives. He went over there. So the people got startled, they got afraid, min sur'ati from his rush. Because he was rushing, the people got startled, they got afraid, they got worried that everything okay. فَخَرَجَ عَلَيْهِمْ So he came upon them. He entered upon them. Faraa, and when he saw that أَنَّهُمْ عَجِبُوا min sur'ati, that they were surprised from his rushing, فَقَالَ He said, ذَكَرْتُ شَيْئًا I remembered something, min tibrin, of Tibr. What is Tibr? tatbira. To break something into little pieces. Okay, so Tibr is a small piece of something. And it's used for a small piece of gold. Okay, a small piece of gold or silver or something like that. So he said that I remembered something of tibur, meaning a small piece of gold. Indana, that we had. فكرهت, so I disliked, an yahbisani. That it should, distract me فَأَمَرْتُ so I instructed بِقِسْمَتِهِ with its division now in this hadith what do we see that first of all it was not the usual habit of the Prophet to leave right after the prayer because this time when he left immediately after the salah people were surprised so this shows that this was not the norm what was his usual habit that he would stay behind after salah he would remain sitting in his place for at least some time all right. Remember that this is recommended, but it is not wajib, as this hadith shows that at this instance, the Prophet ﷺ got up and left. So it means that a person may leave. However, what is best? That he remains sitting. We learned that at one occasion, the Prophet ﷺ was sitting after Zuhr prayer, and he sat there, and some people came, some visitors, and they kept asking him, you know, so much so that they spoke to him for so long that the time of Zuhr ended and the time of Asr began. And he wasn't able to to say his two rak'ah salah. So after Asr, when he went home, he performed two rak'ah. And one of his wives, she explained that this was because he was not able to pray those two raqa after zuhur, so he made them up later after Asr at home. So this shows to us that this was a habit of the Prophet ﷺ to stay back after salah, make himself available for the people. But there were some times when he would also get up and leave. Now the Ma'moon can also do that. Okay? Because sometimes it happens, that, for example, after Jum Salah, you see that the imam says a salam and people instantly get up and leave. And we feel that it is almost disrespectful. Hmm? But remember that when there is a large congregation, obviously people have come you know, from different places. Some, some have left their work. Some probably have people waiting in the car for them Some people have to catch a bus Some may not have parked properly So when there is a reason such as that And most of the time there is Then people are allowed to get up and leave Immediately In a rush, there is no harm But this should not be a habit This should not be a habit That the salam is said And get up and leave right away Or at home A woman, you know, she ends her prayer and Salaam alaikum wa and instantly the hand goes in the hijab, throw that off and rush back to the television or the kitchen or you know, something. You know, it's understandable if once or twice it happens, or maybe three or four times even it happens, once a day it happens, but with every salah, that is not right. Likewise after Fajr sometimes people say the salam and nothing, no dhikr, nothing, rush to bed. This is also not appropriate. It's understandable if it happens once a week, twice a week. Okay, you had a very rough night. But as a habit, this should not be the case. Because after salah, one must spend some time doing the dhikr. We discussed this earlier in that book about the permissibility of praying salah after asr when there is a cause, when there is a sabab. Okay, After asr, generally nawafil should not be performed. Salah must not be performed. But if there is a sabab, a cause, a reason, then it is permissible. What could be a valid reason? So a situation such as this, that a person was not able to perform their two rak'ah after zuhur and they regularly perform it. And remember that when a person regularly performs a certain deed, even if it's nafil, then what happens? That they should be consistent in that. So a person may perform that two rak'ah after asr. Likewise, an urgent matter came up. And you know, one finds the need to perform istikhara immediately, right? Like, for example, you know, a person intends to travel somewhere, and the travel agent says, "Please give me an answer within one hour whether I should book these t- seats for you or not." You can't wait till maghrib; you have to pray at that time. So there is a sabab; you can pray istikhara at that time. Okay. Likewise, a person goes to the masjid, and the hadith concerning performing salah before sitting in the masjid are very, very strong. So. In that situation, there is a sabab. A person can perform tahiyatul masjid and then sit down. If a person has a habit of performing tahiyatul wudu, for example, a habit, then remember that they must be consistent with that. So after asab, there is a sabab. You know, in their situation, so they can perform their nafal. Right. So anyway, from this we see that over here in this hadith that the Prophet ﷺ, it was not his usual habit to. Leave right after the salah And this should be uh, our habit also But once in a while If it happens for a genuine reason Then there is absolutely No problem whatsoever Uh, And we also learn from this hadith That if a person has to Go over the shoulders of people okay, Making his way Through the rows of people Through the crowd For an urgent need He may do that For a need But it should not be You know, such that a person disregards those who are sitting. And one, he's hitting their neck. And another, he's hitting their shoulder. And another, they're, you know, kicking them with their foot. No. Be respectful and courteous. But it is permissible to uh, make one's way through the masjid in this manner. Uh, Also remember that there is no harm if a person remembers something during salah. Because the Prophet ﷺ remembered during salah about this piece of gold that he had in his home. Okay, and that did not invalidate his prayer and he did not feel hesitant sharing that with the companions and that shows that it's normal but it doesn't mean that you dwell on that thought just because you remembered something now you start planning it hmm? so for example you remember that you have to prepare some food for a friend two weeks from you know now so you start planning, what should I cook? This or that? And when should I cook? This way or that way? No, don't start planning it. If it comes up, you know, that thought comes up, it's okay. It's okay. But now it doesn't mean that you dwell on it. You have to move on from it. Exactly. And we see that the Prophet after salah, he just got up and went home right away in order for that gold piece to be distributed. Why? Because فَكَرِهْتُ أَنْ يَحْبِسَنِي I dislike that it should keep me. يَحْبِسَنِي is from Habs What does حَبْس mean? To restrain. To hold back. So he did not want that the thought of that gold piece should hold him back. Hold him back from what? From his prayer. Because if it happened in this prayer, it could happen in the next one also. And that thought could come again in the next prayer also. So sometimes it happens that certain things we only remember when we're in salah. So then after the salah, go and get it over with. Go and get it over with so that thought does not haunt you in the next prayer. Alright? Some said that yahbisani. What it means over here is that تَأْخِيرُ sadaqah, Delaying sadaqa will hold back its person on the Day of Judgment. Meaning a person who is able to give sadaqah, who should give sadaqah. You know, for example, zakat. Or for example, sadaqah that he could easily give for a cause that was right before his eyes. You know, it was expected that he should give, he should spend. A person must not delay paying over there, giving sadaqah over there. Because this will hold a person back on the Day of Judgment. And this is something that we must think about very seriously because sometimes there are certain dues. You know, for example, fees that has to be paid, for instance. Or a paycheck that has to be given, for example. Or someone, you know, we ask someone for a service and we have to pay them. Right? Or there is a cause for which funds are being collected and you give your word. You know, for example, at a fundraiser, we say that, yes, I will give this money. We make a pledge, but then three months later we are getting reminders. Dear sister and so, so and so, you pledged to give this much money. We, you know, we have found out that you still have not. Could you please send your funds, you know, your, your contribution? So remember that once we have committed to give some sadaqah somewhere or some payment somewhere, whatever form it may be, what should we do? Give it as soon as possible. Give it as soon as possible. Don't defer. Don't delay unnecessarily. And we see that the Prophet look at the way he quickly went right after salah. He didn't wait for anything. He went and he ordered that it should be distributed. And this also shows to us about uh, the generosity of the Prophet and the fact that his faqr, his poverty was optional. He chose to live in that manner. He had gold. He did have money. If he wanted, he could accumulate a lot. He could keep a lot. But he chose to give it away. Why? Because as a leader, he realized the needs of the people around him. And he didn't keep things to himself. Rather, he gave at every opportunity. We learned earlier in Bukhari that the Prophet wasallam he would you know, also give food to people who came to visit Medina. And Medina always had visitors. Right? And if he did not have food for anyone, he would send that guest to somebody else's house. And at one occasion, Abu Bakr, he said that, okay, you know, I'll take these people with me. And there were so many of them. They came, Abu Bakr, when he, when he reached home, he realized there wasn't enough food. So, uh, he he did not eat. He He left. And the guests, they did not eat. Because they're like, we're not going to eat until Abu Bakr comes back. So Abu Bakr, when he came back and he saw that the guests had not eaten, he was angry with his son. So then he went and hid. His son went and hid because he didn't want to be told off. So anyway, we see that the Prophet as well as the companions who were close to him, they were very generous. They preferred others over themselves. If it was a piece of gold he had, he didn't want to keep it. He gave it away. Exactly. That what we have now, it's up to us whether we choose to keep it forever or we choose to lose it. If we give it with our own hands, then we have deposited it forever. We have kept it with ourselves forever. Because whatever we give in the way of Allah, we will find it. And whatever we keep with ourselves now, then basically we're losing it. Because either it's going to get used up and finished, Or when we die, it's going to be taken by somebody else. Right? So what we give now, we have kept forever. And what we keep now, we have lost it forever. Also we see over here that if something unusual has happened, then we should let people know about what has happened in order to satisfy their curiosity. And dispel their fears. As opposed to just leaving them in confusion and fear. Because the Prophet when he came and he saw that the people were surprised, and you can tell by the expressions of people that they're curious, what happened? Hmm? Is everything okay? So the Prophet told them. He told them That it was just that, you know, there was a piece of gold in my house, and I remembered, and I didn't want it to hold me back from remembrance of Allah, distract me in my prayer. So this is why I ordered that it should be given. And he came back to the masjid right and he satisfied their curiosity and we see that this was the way of the prophet sallallahu that he satisfied the curiosity of the people when it was visible on their faces remember salman al-farsi anhu that once he was you know going around the prophet sallallahu okay trying to take a look at the khatam the seal and the prophet sallallahu realized that you know this man is constantly around me sometimes to the right to the left and behind me he wants to see something and he knew who Salman al-Farisi was what his background was so the Prophet let down his shawl so that Salman al-Farisi could see it what happens with us when we have something and people are eager to see to know we hide it even more we conceal it even more I'm not telling I'm not sharing I'm not going to tell you I know something you don't know what's the point? right? Unless there is harm, you know, that if other people find out about it, it's not good for them or it's not good for you. That's understandable. For example, you have your phone and somebody's trying to, you know, peek constantly and check your messages. You have the right to put your phone away. You have the right to do that. Alright? But uh, if it's not harmful, neither for you nor for them, it's a normal situation. Then let other people know. What's the big deal? You know, when we create this extra tension by being overly protective and creating that air of don't ask and don't say and why, why create discomfort for yourself and other people? And sometimes we go to such great lengths to hide things and that's completely unnecessary, right? Why do we have to be so secretive? Are we committing a crime? Are we committing a sin? Why be so secretive? Like for example, some women, even when they're six months pregnant, they don't want other people to find out that they're expecting. I mean, I understand that it's the first month, second month, uh, okay, four months, okay. But later on, what's the big deal? It's like you, you find out you know, from, from a friend who's living in a different city, a very good friend, all of a sudden, oh, we were blessed with a baby boy. How come you never told me? Am I not a friend to you? You couldn't tell me that you were expecting? I could have made du'a for you. Oh, no, 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 no. we we feel shy. What is in it to be shy about? Things that are natural. When people like to know, they'll be happy if they find out. They'll make du'a for you. So why not tell other people? It doesn't mean that a person has to publicize every single thing. But if somebody is being curious, but be natural. Be natural. A child is being curious. Someone around you is being curious about something that has happened. And they have a right to be curious. The way you left or the expression on your face or the way you're constantly on your phone. Let them know. Satisfy their curiosity. Inshallah, relationships will be better this way. You know, sometimes we're constantly on the phone because an urgent matter is being dealt with. And the person sitting next to us is wondering, what's going on? They're like, no, no, nothing, nothing. You can just tell them there's an urgent matter that came up and my co-worker is discussing that about please, please let, let me have five minutes. You know, there's no harm in doing that. Communicate. Don't be overly secretive. If the Prophet ﷺ was not that secretive, why should we have to be? Yes, sometimes we don't want to tell other people about what we do. Why? Because, oh, they're going to ask us for favors and we can't help them and it's too... It's Okay, if you cannot help at all, that is different. But if you are able to, you know, this is also a kind of ihsan. Remember that ihsan is done in different ways. One is through words. Another is through actions. Right? Another way is through money. And another way of ihsan is through one's jah. What is jah? Your status. Your, you know, for example, your profession, what you do? Through that, you could help someone. Why not? Why be secretive about what you do so that other people are constantly wondering what does he do? What does she do? Right? Does she work for special secret agency or something? Like what's going on over here? I know someone who's a who's a doctor and mashallah, mashallah so many people you know seek their help concerning referrals and so many different you know things and I don't think that their status is reduced by helping others, by giving referrals, or their money has reduced, or their time is being wasted, or people are taking advantage of them. No. Rather, they are very respected in the community. They're considered very, you know, as a very good person because they're helpful. Right? So, be helpful. Be generous. Don't be secretive about your profession or about different things about your life sometimes we can be so stingy that we can't even tell others about what special ingredient we put in a a particular food what's the big deal it's only an ingredient but we have to be secretive about it people are curious how did you make the consistency such how did you give this flavor tell them please share the khair they care for you this is why they're asking they're, they care for you This is why they're asking If they didn't care about you They won't look at you Yes And you see Look at how observant The Prophet was That the people didn't ask him What do we see in the hadith? أَنَّهُمْ عَجِبُوا مِنْ سرعة. He saw on their faces That they were shocked Surprised at his rushing So فَقَالَ He said, ذَكَرْتُ شيئاً مِنْ تِبْرِنْ عِنْدَنَا فَكَرِهْتُ أن بِسَنْ He satisfied their curiosity. So sometimes, it's not necessarily that the other person should ask you, should send you an email, should send you a text message, should call you. Sometimes it's visible on their face. Right? Now it's another thing that certain individuals, they become extremely curious about everything about your life. Right? About your personal life. So that is a different situation where you want to maintain a distance for a genuine reason. That is different. But when there is no big deal, don't create unnecessary awkwardness. The Prophet satisfied their curiosity. He told them that this is the reason why I got up and left. And because of that, we learned something so beneficial that don't delay in giving sadaqah. باب al والانصراف wal shimal. Infital wa Basically to turn, face, insiraf, getting up to leave. So for example, when the imam is turning in order to face the people, or insiraf, a person is getting up from his prayer place after his salah in order to leave. Does he have to get up and leave from his right side? Or does the imam have to turn to face the people from his right side? No. عَنِ was shimali from the right and from the left. So the imam may turn from his right side or may from his left side. There is no one fixed way. Either way is fine. وَكَانَ أَنَسٌ And anas يَنْفَتِنُ عَنْ يَمِينِهِ He used to turn from his right side. Meaning in order to face the people after salah as the imam, what would he do? He would turn from his right side. وَعَنْ يَسَارِهِ And at other times he would also turn from his left side. وَيَعِيبُ And he would criticize عَلَىٰ أَن Mayata Those who purposely, يَتَوَخَّىٰ is to deliberately, purposely, intentionally do something. أو, or Mayamidu who Would intentionally, الْإِنْتِفَالِ Do intifal, meaning turn, يميني, From his right side. Meaning he criticized those people who deliberately turned only from their right side. And not from their left side. So we see that some people they considered before And we see that this was at the time of So some people earlier and later And even today They consider that when a person is getting up From his prayer place As the imam or muqtadi, Then he should only You know, turn from his right side Why? Because they said, right is good Right is better It's afdol The Prophet wasallam, when he began something He began from his right side Right, so when you're leaving, you know, from your salah you performed an act of worship, so you leave from your right side. Okay? So they restricted it to the right side. Now, okay, you know, the Prophet preferred right, okay, but it doesn't mean that you have to restrict yourself to the right side only. Because this restriction has not been given. So when the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did not, you know, restrict us to the right side only, then we must not Make that restriction for ourselves, creating difficulty. Because remember that in following the sunnah, there is ease and convenience. It's practical. Because the deen is easy. And when we add to it, that makes the religion difficult. This is why Anas, he used to ya'ibu, he used to criticize those people who would say, no, no, we only have to go from the right side. So, for example, it may happen that a person is praying and another person is praying next to him. When he finishes the prayer, the person is still praying. And he wishes to leave. But he says, no, I cannot leave until they're done. No, the the whole world on your left side is empty. You can go from that side. No, 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 only from my right side. No, who said that? Who placed this restriction? So don't make the religion difficult unnecessarily. And we see that the Sahaba, they rejected and criticized the ways of those who made you know, things compulsory, which were not from the sunnah. They did not approve of this, that if something is not compulsory, if something is not from the sunnah, don't make it a must on yourself. And this is something that we need to remember also. If something is not compulsory, if something is not from the sunnah, don't make it a must on yourself. Because this will only create difficulty for you and for others. Unfortunately we think that being religious means Making things difficult for yourself Right? Or making the Voluntary mandatory But this should not be the case حدثنا Abu الوليد قال حدثنا شعبت عن سليمان عن عمارة بن عمير عن الأسود قال قال عبد الله عبد الله said لا يجعل أحدكم للشيطان شيئا من صلاتي None of you Should give shaytan any of his Prayer. Meaning don't assign any part of your prayer for the shaytan don't let him take any part of your prayer yara anna alayhi that a person thinks that it is anna alayhi that it is mandatory on him yanṣarifa that he should not turn except from his right side that none of you should give shaytan any of his prayer by thinking that he has only to turn to the right. Meaning, he should only turn to the right side. So basically he was saying that if you think you should only turn on the right side, you're giving shaitan a part of your salah. Because you're letting shaitan rule by making you follow a waswasa. That oh, only the right, only the right. And you make it must on yourself. And you're adding do the salah what is not of the salah. And this is what? Innovation. So you're letting Shaitan come in. You're giving Shaitan a portion of your prayer. You're letting him rule. Don't do that. He said, I saw the Prophet many times عَنِي that he turned from his left side. So we see Anasatila anhu, Abdullah, Rabdullah anhu, both of them they criticize such people. وَالَّذِينَهُمْ عَلَىٰ صَلَوَاتِهِمْ يُحَافِظُونَ Guarding the prayer During the prayer and after Don't let shaytan interfere during the prayer And also after the prayer Don't make him You know, fill your heart with wasawis And such thoughts Making the unnecessary Necessary for yourself No, don't give any part of your salah To the shaitan. بَاب مَا جَاءَ فِي النَّيِّ الثُومِ النَّيِّ وَالْبَصَلِ what has come concerning thum What is thum? Garlic What kind of garlic? an Raw Fresh What has come concerning raw garlic wal-basal What is basal? Onions wal kurras. Leeks So next time you go to the grocery store Okay Look in the vegetable side And look for leeks Okay it's used as a base, you know, just just as onions, okay, in soups and whatever. So it smells like onion, basically. Exactly. It's like a giant-sized scallion, really big onion, a green onion. It's long and green. So obviously it's from the same family, so it also has a very strong smell. Now, this bab and the Diabwaab that are following, they are concerning... The ahkam of the masajid So alhamdulillah we have completed abwabu as-salah Sifat salah The description of the prayer They are complete over here And what comes next Are a few abwab concerning masajid Because obviously when a person is praying He should also be considered of the place where he is praying it. Whether that is at home Or it is at the masjid right? Or somewhere else So before this book was concerning Jamara, imam, mu'addin, adhan, as well as the timings of the prayer, as well as the masajid. There were certain what that were covered concerning the masajid. And now there are a few more. So they're basically spread out. Some before the description of the prayer and some after the description of the prayer. Because there are some matters which concern only the people who are going to the masjid. And there are other matters which are general, which apply to people who are praying at home also. So for example... The ruling concerning eating raw garlic and then praying, this is something that definitely applies to people who are praying in the masjid, but also to people who are praying at home. Subhanakallah wa bihamdik, nashidu wa la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.